you've probably over the last several weeks heard the four of us in our teaching refer to freedom prayer. And some of you have asked, okay, I hear it and it's kind of floating out there. I've put on the board, if you want just more information, we have a Gmail account and I'm the one that answers it. So if you've got a question or you want somebody to call you, just shoot us an email. If you want to sign up, there's the sign up there. No pressure or uh, coercion. At the same time, we want to be sure it's really available and that you feel like it's really something easy to uh, access. So I'm going to give you, <clears throat> I'm going to say a word and I want you to say, this is, you know, the name of so word association. Say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Are you ready? Spiritual warfare. Do you want us to raise our hand? Or just Yell it out. <laughs> Get a little crazy. Jesus, Satan, the devil. Okay. Uh, uh, Jesus and Satan having a conflict battle. What came out over here? Make ready. Make ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Frank Peretti. Frank Peretti, yes. Uh -huh. Peretti. Oh, goodness. That was like in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And that was really one of my few... I know y'all are like, wow, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> but um, that was really my first introduction to that ver and screw tape letters in college when we studied that about thinking, wow, there's this conversation going on. What else came to mind when I said spiritual warfare? Ephesians. Ephesians. Oh, Ephesians. How'd you know? Did you say Ephesians or confusion? Ephesians. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians. We're headed to Ephesians, actually. So, yes, that's really kind of one of our main uh, passages about warfare. I will say that a lot of people, it makes them a little uncomfortable, right? And I, before we get into this, and by the way, if everybody, there were handouts on the back, uh, chair back there, be sure to get one if you didn't pick one up. Um, and we also, on these handouts, may not go word for word, but we want to give you so you can look at things later, scriptures and other things to uh, take a look at. Yes. Y'all just pass those out. Here's an encouragement I want to give you before we step into this topic of spiritual warfare. And that is, step into this conversation with a heart that's open to what the Lord has to offer you in this. Sometimes we avoid things we're not really sure what to do with. And y'all have heard me say over and over and over, the battle's been won. You already have the victory. You just need to claim it. And that's what we're going into here. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. The exact same principle uh, prevails here as well. So, um, you probably know this because you all mentioned a lot about it, but there are over a hundred verses in Scripture about warfare and about how we have this battle going on. Consider these, James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, actually, or free from you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, so resist him, firm in your faith. 
John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That is warfare language. None of us deny these passages. We all know they exist. I probably did not read one to you that is not familiar. But actually, we tend to fall into one of two camps when we talk about spiritual warfare. One is everything is a battle. Everything is a battle. Anything that's negative or doesn't line up with our view of the Lord is an attack. Sometimes we even avoid personal ownership of consequences of our own choices because we label it an attack from Satan. I had a conversation with a lady a couple of months ago who said, listen, my day, all day, I was under constant attack and it culminated with my purse being stolen from my car. And I thought to myself, well, and you went walking at Percy Warner and left it on the front seat. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure we can call that an attack from the enemy as much as she made a personal decision that wasn't smart. So sometimes every single thing that happens in our life that's negative, we blame on warfare. My tendency, though, is the other ditch, and that is denial. I know it's out there. It comes up every now and then. I read those passages and intellectually I say, oh yeah, that's true. But I don't quite see the constant danger. I'm in an environment like if any of you ever been to Las Vegas and you're walking around and you're seeing billboards and you're seeing people and you're seeing things and you get a sense of there's some things here that are not from God. You get kind of a sense. But Vegas is one thing. I don't think about it though being at 5128 Seward Road in Brentwood, Tennessee. So denial works equally as well in warfare, right? Because I'm not as aware of what's happening. From the screw tape letters that I mentioned earlier, this was one of the quotes. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Devils themselves are equally pleased by both errors. They hail either a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So either way, the enemy's one if you go to one extreme or the other. So we're going to spend some time this week and next talking about spiritual warfare and the weapons that we have at our uh, our ready at any time to fight them. You've probably uh, heard there are three voices we hear, the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, and then our own voice. Mike, what does the voice of God versus the voice of the enemy, when you hear, how do you hear them differently? Um, When I hear a voice that's encouraging me to do things on my own, to handle things myself, I see that as from Satan. In other words, I do something independently without God's direction, God's support, uh, God's uh, strength. And that's easy for me to do because I am a person who wants to be independent. I don't want to have to depend on anybody else. I want to be able to do things the way I want to do them, when I want to do them, and how I want to do them. Jenny and I have learned in our marriage, she doesn't tell me when to do something. She says, tells me what she'd like me to do, and she needs it done by a certain date. 
But if she walks in and says, I need you to do this right now, my carnal side will bow up. And I'm not pretty when I bow up. Then the other side is when I, when something calls me to God, then that's what I feel is the voice from God. My description would be, and I'm not always, I'm not, surprise isn't the right word, but the voice of God is gentle and simple and affirming. The voice of the enemy can sometimes feel initially sensible, but it doesn't quite ring well in my soul. It's like uh, something that feels unsettled. I, I, in my, I feel like it's the spirit saying this isn't quite right. This isn't quite right. But it can sound sensible. You know, it's not always something crazy like go rob a bank. You know, it's something a little bit. Make a snarky comment here. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Oh yes, that is. That's my. That's my self spot of my place where I get way out of hand. Yeah, sarcasm. Uh, that's not from the Lord. <laughs> Don't get me fired up here and I'll have to do it right here in front of all these people. So, we're going to talk about some of the necessary weapons. Um, I believe one of the reasons why we don't depend on the weapons is because we don't feel like we need them. And we only feel like we need them when we're in a tough spot. And what I want you to hear from me today is when your eyes open in the morning, you need to be ready for battle. It's that serious. Now, do I do it all the time? No. Um, But I just want you to know that when you believe something is real, like we believe COVID, we took the necessary precautions to protect ourselves, right? And we all did different things to do that, but we took steps because we were fearful. I've never seen this nation filled with as much fear as during the epidemic. Never. I mean, some of the people I thought were the bravest people We're being driven by fear. Everyone. And so, I just want to throw that little tidbit out there. Uh, The first two things I want to talk about, one is the shield of faith, and the other is the sword of the Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 6.16 says, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not most of them, not some of them, but all of them that are sent your way. In Paul's day, when uh, soldiers went into battle, they had this huge shield. And I'm, I'm just under six feet tall. And these shields were four feet wide and six feet tall. And what they would do is... It, you know, you would see um, some of these guys in battles and they would have these round shields or these kind of shorter shields that they could use in one-on-one battles. This is not one you picked up and had a sword fight with because it was huge. 
But let me tell you about this shield of faith. It was built to hook up with other shields. In other words, the shield of faith was never intended for us to face Satan alone. There are times when I need someone beside me that says, hang in there, keep going, we can do this, because I'm, I'm wanting to give up. And so, there's this shield, and it's covered with leather so it can extinguish that arrow. It's kind of like having a bulletproof vest. It protects the vital organs of your body. They can shoot you, except in the head, I guess. Uh, uh, but everywhere else, you're protected. It, in a bulletproof vest, you can be knocked on your back, but you're not fatally wounded. And you can hold the shield of faith, but you're going to feel the punch of hurt or the punch, the, the punch of what our desires have led us into. So this is your first line of defense. It's uh, like in Star Trek, you have this invisible field around you. And you can just kind of move forward because you're protected. Now, what is your shield made of? Uh, spiritually, the shield is the Lord Himself who's always present. He says, never will I leave you, forsake you, Hebrews 13, and He never changes. He, my Father is the same yesterday. He's going to be the same today. He's going to be the same tomorrow. He's going to be the same six weeks from now. And I can put my faith in that without fearing that He's going to change the rules on me. Um, now what this shield represents is a living and active relationship with God, Jesus or the Holy Spirit. It can be all three. There may be one you're more connected to than others. But wherever you are, the shield goes with you and serves as an invisible field. It serves as a bulletproof vest. I like to look at it this way. It's actually, when I go out, my big brother Jesus is going with me. And when Satan starts picking on me, Jesus steps in front of me. And He protects me. Now that doesn't mean I don't get hurt. That doesn't mean I don't struggle. It means He can't fatally do away with me. First um, Peter chapter one verse three. And in, in your notes, I put a lot more stuff in there that I'm going to cover today. But here's what I want you to see: We've been given a new birth. We've been given an inheritance. But look at verse five: By faith are shielded by God's power until Jesus returns. So when you get up, when you get up out of bed, the shield goes with you. When you go to get in your car to go to work or to go to wherever you go, the shield goes with you. When you're at work, the shield is with you. When you go, if you go work out, the shield goes with you. If you go to the movies, the shield goes with you. When people, I, I don't like it when people say, 
I hope God shows up. I'm going, what are you talking about? Showing up. He's already here. He goes with me everywhere I go. Whether I want to acknowledge Him or not, He goes. And He says, you have not seen Him, but you love Him. You do not, not see Him now, but you believe in Him and you're filled with joy. It's that kind of relationship. So if you are drawn into a period of suffering, pain, and adversity, and you haven't started cultivating that relationship, struggle, the word struggle doesn't define it. It's worse than that. What are the flaming arrows? Hurtful words, lies within, not good enough, alone, not worthy. Fears are desires with no boundaries. When these things hit you, they cause a reaction that creates a change in who you are in your identity. The next is Sword of the Spirit. And now this is a short sword. And it was mainly for hand-to-hand combat. My oldest daughter um, had a time in her marriage a few years back where her husband went from not believing in God to being a humanist. And when he made that shift from being not being from denying Christianity to being a humanist, he became very sarcastic, very egotistical, very condescending, and uh, and he became mentally, verbally, and emotionally abusive to my daughter. Um, that did not sit well with me. Now we don't get involved with our kids' stuff. You know, we're we're not we're not involved in everything. Uh, and if they ask for advice, we give it to them. But am I going to sit and watch somebody abuse my daughter, even though she's thirty-nine years old or thirty-eight years old? No. I told her twice I'm coming down there, and I did not have good intentions. <clears throat> Uh, I wasn't listening to the Spirit, actually. (laughs) Um, But she begged me not to. She begged me. Later, after they kind of worked things out, she told him that I had threatened to come. And uh, he said, Wow, I'm glad I didn't know that then. Because he may be younger, but he's not stronger than me. And uh, my love for my daughter welled up inside of me to such a degree that I could not stand still. I felt angry every single day. And that's the way the Father cares about us. It's the same when we're attacked by Satan and we have access to Spirit-led words. Jesus, when he, after He was baptized, the Spirit led Him into the... the key phrase, the Spirit led Him into the desert to be tested. So if you're going through times of testing, don't be... Don't feel like you, you become a bad Christian because you're going through hard times. Um... We assume that Jesus' faith was rock solid. That every time something happened, boom, he gave the right, you know, it it was just a piece of cake for him. 
I don't believe that's true. I believe God sent him into the desert to test, literally test his faith. Are you going to be able to man up, Jesus? Because what's coming down the road is going to be far worse than what you're going to experience here in the garden. Right? So every time Jesus was tempted, what did He say? It's written. It is written. Sword of the Spirit. One of the greatest joys I have in doing freedom prayer sessions is when we discover the Lord unveils a lie and He they renounce the light and He replaces it with truth. He's just strengthening them with the sword of the Spirit that they can fight with from this point on. And the sword of the Spirit is always with you. Um, and how do we prepare? Um, I've listed those things in my time's up. Go and watch. I'm Dr. Proud. I am. <laughs> Um, another resource that we often uh, find unusual, and let me just say this is unusual for me. I don't think our church culture has used this very much, but that is to proclaim power in the name of Jesus. In our class, there's been a couple of times where a conversation has come up. One of you was talking about your children, raising your children, and you said you just Say the word Jesus. I don't remember who it was. And I thought, was it? And I was like, what a wonderful thing where you just feel overwhelmed or you don't know what to say. It's just saying the name Jesus. There is power in the name. Look at those passages there. There's quite a few that talk about power in the name of Jesus. Um, There's life in his name. Anything you ask in his name. Whatever you do, do it in His name. There's no other name by which we are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and is safe. So the name of Jesus carries some extraordinary power. And what a wonderful place to use it, right, is in spiritual warfare. But how do we do this exactly? Uh, In fact, some of you may have some places where you have found this to be helpful, and I'd love for you to share those with the class. You know, in prayer, we've learned to claim the power of Jesus to bind or limit the voice of anything from the enemy because the enemy wants to say, you can't get this right, you're not enough. You know, And when you hear that, you just say, in the name of Jesus, I resist. That's what the passage says you can do over and over and over, in the name of Jesus. Here's an idea. How many of you are familiar with breath prayers. Have you heard the term breath prayers? It's an ancient spiritual discipline where you say a small phrase or verse as you breathe in and then another as you breathe out. It's been around for a long, long time. If you're in the middle of a situation where you're feeling attacked or you feel overwhelmed or you're not quite sure what to do, just breathe in and say the name of Jesus and breathe out whatever is the attack. So you can say, Jesus, as you breathe in, and you say, I breathe out fear. I hand out anxiety. I get rid of this stress, whatever it is, as you breathe in and claim the name of Jesus. 
breathing out whatever it is that's attacking you. Um, sometimes uh, it's good just to say it out loud because it shifts your thinking. It shifts your thinking from what the attack is or what it is that's overwhelming you to the power that comes with the name of Jesus. Outwardly, you claim resurrection power. I heard that term from Nan Smith. I don't know how many of you know and love Nan Smith. But she was talking about the beauty of someone when you've seen the transition in their life because of resurrection power. And I thought, what a great phrase. So anytime you claim the name of Jesus, you are claiming that resurrection power in your life. Whatever it is you're feeling under attack, it's like taking a minute. This week, try it. Let's say you're in a situation where you feel that uh, troubling in your spirit or you're not quite sure what to do. Just practice and, you know, your family may be like, what are you doing? Get in the corner and just go, Jesus. Jesus. I claim power in the name of Jesus. Uh, another breath prayer, I use this one when I'm uh, struggling with sin. And I will say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Yeah. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Or I'll divide it to say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And that's just, I say that over and over. And that gets my attention from the temptation over to the one with whom I need to place my focus. Is there anybody in here who feels comfortable, I mean, it has a habit or a life pattern of saying the name of Jesus or using it in a situation in your families? Because I know someone has shared this in class. I just don't recall who it was. <clears throat> or is this new? I mean, is it something you just don't necessarily do? Oh, you could do sign language and I'll interpret to the class. Okay. Susan Riley. That's yeah. it. That was it. Susan Riley was talking about with her family and that there, yes, I knew somebody had said it and she was like, sometimes I just go to the house and go, Jesus, to the kids, you know, when something's going on. Yes. As a kid, you're going, what? <laughs> hey, but how great, you know, the kids are hearing that. Uh, I think it shifts focus. So thank you for <laughs> pantomiming that to me. Yeah. <laughs> just the power of Jesus, and also the authority of Jesus. Yes. Like all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, and the, the enemy knows that. And so the, the authority of, that he's given to us, I have that authority. So when I speak his name, the enemy knows that he has that authority as well. And I, something earlier too, just talking about like how the enemy attacks. I think if we, if we don't talk about this and acknowledge our kids too, that there's this battle and that the enemy wants to put things into your head. That yes. when this gross thought comes through, they're like, what is that? Like, is that me? Why did I think that? I'm just, what's wrong with me? Yes. We don't offer. The enemy wants to do that, just like God wants to build good strongholds in you and good thoughts. The enemy wants to see if you can mix up land. So. Great, great. No, authority is a great, great point. Yeah, because we've been given the power and the authority through Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the next one is praise, worship, and intercession. Um, and I think this one, as a community, is hard for us. But if you go back and you read the Old Testament, and uh, especially in the time of Jesus, 
the Jews met in the temple every single day to worship. They prayed three times a day. When the disciples and the church was established, they met daily. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread and prayer. I think the challenge in our culture is we live in such a regional area that we find it difficult to get together on a regular basis. I believe that if we could get together on a daily basis, that we would be stronger as a people. I don't think we're sinners because we don't. I just believe we'll be, we would be stronger. And we miss out. Just hearing someone talk about how God worked in their life encourages me. Or me sharing and people gathering around me and praying would make a difference for me. A lot of times in our spiritual journey, we see faith as an individual pursuit and not a community pursuit. That I'm in it by myself. And I'm telling you, that is a lie of Satan. Um, Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they were being falsely accused. They were stripped of their clothes. Humiliated. They were beaten. Flogged. You know what flogged is? 39 times save one. And there was rocks and glass at the end of the whip. So it wasn't just, here, let me slap you on the wrist kind of thing. They were thrown into prison. Their feet put in stocks. There were no chairs. There were rugged and dirty rock walls, dirty floors. And there, they had open wounds. There was no hand sanitizer in there. About midnight, they were praying and singing songs to God. I don't believe they were praying because they thought, I don't have anything to worry about. I think they were praying because they were hurting. I think they were singing to remind them of who they are in Christ and what Christ means to them. It's those songs I believe they were singing. I believe worship can be a time of encouragement and strengthening of our faith. I leave here so strong on Sunday mornings many times, and then by about Monday at noon, that's kind of worn out. I don't know about you, but that's the way it kind of works for me. Uh, how many of you were around September 11, 911? Okay. You remember where you were? I do too. The next night, the church where I was preaching, we gathered together and not even really with anything planned or organized, we were just responding to a need to be together and to pray and to sing. And Jeannie and I found this to be one of the most meaningful worship experiences we've ever had. It's amazing how worship to God takes on a different feeling when you're living in fear. The last place the enemy wants us is to be near to the praises of God's people. Uh, 
And then we've listed things, there's several things you can do. Yeah, you know, the worship, praise and worship mm -hmm. thing, uh, thinking about doing it yourself in the rhythm of your life is kind of an interesting thing. One of the thoughts that we thought about in this spiritual warfare, even talking about it in general, is this. You cannot build a shelter in the middle of a storm. So intimacy with the Lord is a walking out daily rhythm of life so that when attack comes, you're in the place to use your weapons. It's not the place to start, right? So intimacy with the Lord is the basis of all of this. Walking that out is where the blessing comes and that connection with Him when you're attacked. Um, I have recently been uh, reading a new book. And I wrote it at the bottom there because I think some of you might like it. But it's a book by Max Cato who just came out with called Help is Here and it's all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you know how he just has a way of using analogies and stories of really connecting. And I'd like to um, end this morning with uh, something that he wrote in there. I want you to listen while I'm reading this example and see if you can hear the things that we've talked about this morning. The shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, calling on the name of Jesus, praise and worship. See if you can see how practically those things could apply. Let me show you how this works. It's midnight. You've been trying to get to sleep since 10 o'clock, but you cannot. You have a big meeting tomorrow at work. You need some rest. You try the different sleep-inducing strategies that you know, slow breaths, counting sheep, listening to a Max Lucado sermon, but nothing works. Your mind won't shut off. You begin to envision worst-case scenarios. You'll forget your notes. You'll call your boss by the wrong name. Your thoughts spin around in descending circles, taking you down, down, down until you are in a pit. You pound your pillow and your heart pounds in your chest. The old version of you might have spent the night staring into the dark, but a new version of you is taking shape. A version that has received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. A version that does not face challenges alone, but quickly turns to worship. So here's what happens. You climb out of bed and find a quiet place where you can open your Bible and pray. You read the verses that promise peace from the Holy Spirit. Psalm 34, God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God sets angels in a circle of protection around us while we pray. You may select a favorite song. You either listen to it or you sing it. Maybe both. If one isn't enough, you sing some more, and then you pray. You pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit prays in you. You surrender tomorrow to the cares of your loving Father. And then, to make sure the devil knows he has failed, you tell him out loud to leave you alone. I belong to Jesus, thank you very much. So you must depart from here. Indeed, he must and he will. Will you fall asleep? Probably. But if not, stay at it. Because in this, 
this is the promise. Thanks, everybody. Go get your children. <laughs>